Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Reza Moridi. Reza was a Richmond Hill MPP from 2007 to 2018. He was the first Iranian-Canadian elected to legislature. Reza was a physics professor. He continues to be active on boards of post-secondary institutions. And importantly for this podcast, he has been active in the support of human rights in Iran. I've actually known Reza for a long time. Welcome, Reza. Well, th- thank you, Marge, and uh, hello to you and also to your listeners. Okay. No, thank you for, for agreeing to do this podcast. I think it's very important. I'm hoping in this conversation to get a better sense of what it is like in Iran now and how the Iranian people, those who live here, really are doing. Well, you know, March in Iran, a revolution, in fact, is going on for the past, uh, you know, almost three months. Uh, and in fact, people weren't happy with this regime since it came to office uh, in 1979. Uh, but in the past, uh, you know, almost three months, uh, really, uh, almost every sector of the society in every corner of the country, uh, they are revolting, they have been revolting against the regime and they demand this regime change in Iran. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, um, Reza, can you tell us a little bit about more about you? I've introduced you, but um, you know, you you've lived in Richmond Hill. You moved from Iran a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, after the nineteen seventy nine revolution uh, in Iran, when the uh, Islamists basically they took the office, uh, many Iranians actually left the country at that time, including us. Uh, my family and I, we left Iran to Fiji Islands, where I got a job there as a professor of physics at the University of the South Pacific in Fiji. Mm-hmm. And after staying there for about two and a half years, uh, we were lucky enough to be able to come to Canada in 1990. And after a few months after arrival to Toronto or Canada, uh, we moved to Richmond Hill. So we have been uh, living in Richmond Hill, we have been citizens of Richmond Hill uh, since 1990, and we are so happy and we call Richmond Hill as home now. Very since good. then, yes, okay. Uh, yeah, there are many people of Iranian descent here um, that have left Iran, came to Richmond Hill, mm-hmm. and the yeah, other adjacent municipalities. Um, but uh, did most of them come back in 1979 when there was this? Uh, Persian Revolution? Um, is that why most people came? Well, uh, people keep keep coming for, or okay. keep leaving Iran since 1979 revolution. Uh, so uh, the exodus of Iranians to foreign countries never stopped in the past 43 years. Uh, you know, before the revolution uh, in 1979, Iranians weren't an immigrant nation. Uh, if you calculate all uh, Iranians living out of Iran at that time, the number wouldn't be more than maybe 
I don't know, maybe a thousand people, maybe two thousand people. Uh, that's it. Uh, so Iranians weren't immigrants, even students who were, you know, studying in foreign countries such as the U.S. or European countries. After finishing their education, they would go back to Iran. But when the revolution happened, actually, uh, many many Iranians they just couldn't live under this uh, Islamic regime in Iran, so they start leaving. Some left. Uh, uh, during the revolution, some left after the revolution, some escaped through the mountains to neighboring countries such as Turkey or Pakistan and then uh, find refuge in other countries. Uh, but again, I mean, this exodus um, continued as of today. Uh, today, about 10% um, of Iran's uh, population, uh, around 8 million, uh, estimated to be living in uh, in other countries, uh, countries across the globe, from mm -hmm. small islands in the heart of Pacific Ocean, such as Fiji, where mm -hmm. we lived for a while, and uh, a beautiful, wonderful country as ours, such as Canada. Uh, so yeah, they are scattered all over the place, and and, and the immigration from Iran is uh, never stopped; it continued, mm -hmm. it still continues. So can you explain what it is that have people, like what's, what's happened such that people do not want to continue to live in Iran? Uh, you know, the Iranian regime is an ideological regime. They have uh, they have their own interpretation of the uh, of Islam. And based on that, uh, they are ruling the country. And Iran is, is a, you know, among all uh, you know, Middle Eastern countries or countries in that part of the world, Iran has been very well advanced. For example, in 1905, Iran was the first country in, in, in the continent of Asia to bring constitutional democracy uh, or constitutional revolution, which basically reduced the power of the king in Iran. So there is that history in Iran. So after you know, having such a history in Iran, such a culture established, sort of Western culture established in Iran, suddenly revolution happens and they bring everything back. They, they, they want, you know, all the rules which ruled, say, 1400 years ago, they want to bring that kind of rules and regulations and law to Iran. And apart from this ideology, the regime is a, is a, is a military regime, in fact. Uh, they have various military apparatus killing people and harassing people. I mean, all kinds of uh, nasty things they have been doing to people of Iran. So some people just couldn't take it. Those who can escape the country, can leave the country, they have. And the rest who are there, if they have the opportunity, they will leave for sure. But not everybody is lucky as me and those 7, 8 million people were lucky to be able to leave the country. Right. And, and things are particularly bad for females, correct? Oh, absolutely. Because under the uh, under the, uh, the Islamic law, which they are uh, exercising in Iran and, and based on their own interpretation, uh, for example, uh, the woman should wear hijab, which is mm -hmm. they have to cover their body, they have to cover their head. Um, and also there, there are certain restrictions in the legal system uh, of law, in the legal system of Iran or Islamic law in Iran, which a woman has been extremely discriminated. For example, the woman cannot be a judge. Uh, the woman cannot be the president of Iran. The woman cannot be, um, if there is a divorce, for example, the children's right is with the husband, with the men rather than with the woman. So there are so many things like this which comes from the Sharia law. And uh, these are, yes, when you put all this together, women are much, much more under restrictions than, than men. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So <clears throat> I believe that most of the Iranian people that live here in Richmond Hill uh, have strong ties to friends and family. Is that to like you have family? Do you have friends in Iran? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of us, uh, or I should say many, many of Iranians, maybe 99.99%, they have families over there, they have relatives over there. And, you know, March, over this 43 years, families have been scattered all over the world. I mean, my own immediate family, uh, we are six in the family, six siblings, uh, five brothers and one sister. I am in, in Canada or in Toronto area. My sister lives in Vancouver. One brother lives in uh, in LA. Another brother lives in Stockholm, Sweden. Another brother lives in Istanbul, Turkey. And the youngest brother, he's still in Iran. Uh, you know, six of us scattered, you know, six, mm -hmm. six different cities and countries or five countries around the world. Uh, and of course, our you know uh, relatives—they're uh, scattered again all over the all over the world, mm -hmm. and they're still part of them. They are living in Iran, like anybody, any other family. So mm -hmm. this revolution really um, made families to scattered to become apart from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you gone back to visit Iran often or lately? No, no, not lately. No, I, I. I yeah, with with my you know we might stand against the regime. It is absolutely mm -hmm. unsafe for me to go back right. to Iran. So when is the last time you've been back? Oh, this was last century. Last century. Okay, so a <laughs> while ago. Okay, okay. Um, so in it's most Iranians are of Muslim heritage or um and such, but uh, not all mm -hmm. are really active religiously. Is that would you say that's correct? Well, you know, I mean, in the past, before 1979 revolution, Iran was a sort of secular country. Mm -hmm. um, at least in practice, it was a secular country. People who could practice, they, they could, nobody stopped them. And uh, the others who didn't, again, they were free to do that. But under this regime, if you are in Iran, you have to be, uh, you have to practice. Mm -hmm. At least you have to pretend that you are practicing uh, the uh, Muslim religion. But of course, Iranians living in, in out of Iran, including Canada, uh, some of them are practicing, uh, and, and I would say that many, many of them they are they're secular. Uh, they may practice in private, um, but uh, and some of them may not practice. But uh, yes, I would say that a good, a very, very good majority of uh, Iranians living in diaspora they are secular people. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and we we actually both of us have friends who are Baha'i. Uh, can you talk about how they have suffered? Um, you know, do you know if things have got worse for them lately? Well, um, for Baha'is, because Baha'i religion is not recognized by the uh, by the Iranian regime as a religion, um, they recognize uh, four religions: uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. In fact, three, and also Zoroastrian. Uh, Zoroastrian is the ancient religion of Iran, the religion of Iranians before uh, the Muslims conquered Iran, the Persian Empire, and they converted all Iranians into Islam. So the religion before Islam was called Zoroastrians. Um, so those four religions are recognized, but the others are not, including Baha'i religion. And for that matter, Baha'is are, are very, very uh, under, under severe restrictions in Iran. Many of them have been killed. Uh, many of them had to escape, along with other Iranians to other countries. Uh, their properties have been confiscated. 
and um, so yes, they have been under under heavy pressure in Iran, and still they are. Okay, so but you said the Christian and Jewish people of Christian and Jewish <laughs> faith are are there, correct? Uh, well, I mean, on the paper, yes, but uh, again, many uh, Christians, many uh, you know Jewish people, many Zoroastrians, uh, um, because of this regime, they left the country. Uh, the Jewish population before uh, this regime took over was much, much higher than as it is now. Uh, the same is true with the Christian community, with the Zoroastrian community. Um, so everybody left, even you know the Shia Muslims left. So you can imagine how it would be harsh um, for non-Muslims in Iran. Okay. Though on the paper, their religion is recognized by the government. And by the way, um, Marge, I should add that uh, among the Muslims, there, as you may know, and your listeners may know, that there are two major sectors, sects in, in mm -hmm. uh, Muslim religion. About 95% of Muslims, they are called Sunni Muslims or traditional Muslims. And 5% of them are, are Shia Muslims. So the Iranians are... Uh, you know, I don't know how many percent, but I think the good majority of Iranians are Shia Muslims, and the, and some Iranians are Sunni Muslim. For example, the Kurds in Iran they are Sunni Muslim, the Baluchis are Sunni Muslim, the Turkmens are Sunni Muslims. So there are also restrictions for Sunni Muslim as well, though they are Muslims, but uh, they are not Shia Muslims. So there's restrictions to them as well. So they suffered as well because they are not Shia Muslims. Okay, no, no, thank you for explaining that. So in this past September, there was the death of a young lady, Maha, Masa Amini. And this seemed to spark unrest. Uh, it fanned a smoldering fire. Is that how you would see it? Yes, uh, th th that's absolutely true. So the society, Marge, was ready for this uh, this flame, this fire, uh, and her death, actually she was a, a Sunni Muslim and she was a Kurd. Uh, she lived in the western part of, of Iran, near Iraqi border, there's a city called Sakis. So she lived there and she came to Tehran to the capital city to visit uh, her family or friends, etc. And then she was killed. So that basically ignited this uh, revolution, which is known as uh, a woman life freedom. Revolution. That is the slogan of this revolution: "Women, life, freedom." Okay. Yeah, I've seen actually signs on people's front yards of my neighbors for that. So yes, it's uh, it certainly uh, is well recognized here. So, how bad are things in Iran right now? Well, as I said, the revolution is going on, and the regime is trying to uh, suppress uh, people's uprising. And by killing them, by arresting them, um, they have been using machine guns to uh, kill people uh, in, in certain cities. Uh, so there's, in fact, a fight in reality, in reality between the regime and the people. People with empty hands and the regime is equipped with, uh, you know, with, um, with weapons, with uh, even heavy weapons such as machine guns and so on and so forth. So the, uh, the, and in the past almost three months, uh, the regime's staff is that uh, about 500 people have been killed. That's the regime staff, which in numbers, the actual numbers could be maybe five times at least more than that. And their staff is that 15,000 people have been uh, detained. Again, the actual numbers could be much, much more than that. 
And so people are suffering a lot. People are fighting with empty hands, with a brutal, a brutal regime. I mean, the regime in Iran is much more brutal than, than Hitler in Germany. Um, they are killing their own people for, for no reason, for no reason. People just ask for freedom. Uh, that's all people ask. But this regime, uh, they are they are brutal. Yeah. Can people leave Iran now? Are there flights in and out of Iran? Yeah, there are flights in and out of Iran still. But, uh, you know, those people who could leave, uh, they have left and they are leaving. Mm-hmm. But 85 million population in Iran, particularly under this regime, uh, the economy got worse and the worse and the worse. Iran was a relatively rich country in the, mm-hmm. before the 1979 revolution, um, but now it is not. Just to give you an example, March, before in 1979, uh, seven Iranian currency was equivalent to one US dollar. Seven Iranian currency was equivalent to one U.S. dollar. Mm. Today, thirty-five thousand Iranian currency is equivalent to one U.S. dollar. Seventy-five thousand. Wow! So <clears throat> you can imagine yeah. how the economy of the country has, you know, gone down, and the people, many people, they just cannot afford mm-hmm. to, you know, to to leave the country. Yeah. So are there food shortages, medical supply shortages there? Well, there are, of course, under this condition, there are food shortages, there are medical supply shortages. But again, one example of the regime's brutality and and the dictatorship of of the man who uh, is called the supreme leader. When COVID came, outbreak of COVID uh, uh, took the whole world, uh, and and after a few months, thanks to the science and the scientists in Western countries who developed the vaccine in the U.S. and Germany initially, and then um, then the supreme leader made a decision and made a decree that the government cannot import American and the British-made vaccine. Hmm. So many people were killed because they had to use their own vaccine or Russian vaccine or Chinese vaccine. Ooh, so that's sure. that is the you know that is the regime we are dealing with. Okay. One man decides for the life of the well, eighty five million people. Well, so COVID is is it still rampant there? Are people uh, well? Do they the don't, Yeah, they don't give the right stats, but yeah. uh, but many many people of course died during those two years when COVID outbreak came in, and there was no vaccine, or if there was vaccine, they were all you know yeah. ineffective vac- vaccines and. Uh, Many people lost their lives. Even I, I hear that Japan, uh, you know, offered to, to donate some uh, Moderna vaccine or Pfizer vaccine to vaccine to Iran. They didn't accept it because they were American-made and British-made mm. vaccines. Ooh, um, the yeah. oil business is often uh, seen as contributing to what is happening in Iran. Is that how you see things? How does the oil business figure into all this? Well, the oil business, I didn't hear your question. No, I'm just, is the oil, the idea of oil in mm-hmm. Iran, like that's why the, un, I've heard people say that that's why there is this unrest that, uh, you know, Iran controls all this oil. Well, uh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, all days, of course, Iran was the major source of oil uh, for the whole world. Now, these days, I mean, oil has been discovered almost in every part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past few years, uh, Americans and the and the world 
they uh, sanction Iranian oil. Iran is not exporting any oil, uh, very very little by some some ways. But uh, but it's not the oil actually. It has. Um, I mean, when it comes to the uh, external politics, oil may play a role in, in the whole Middle East politics. There is no question about that. But internally, internally, it is not the oil. Internally, it is just the public, the population. They want freedom. They just want freedom. They want rule of law. Uh, and they want to, to live like anybody else, free, free from the government. This regime and this government, they have, uh, uh, they are interfering with every aspect of people's life, even in their own home. Hmm. Uh, so people want just revolting against this kind of regime. And of course, as you indicated, I mean, oil has something to do very in a very broader uh, broader scope in terms of international politics, particularly when it comes to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back here in Richmond Hill, how are the, the Iranian <clears throat> people of Iranian heritage, how are they doing and what are they doing? Um, I'm sensing that many of our Iranian friends are very anxious. Um, there have been the rallies, the one the really big one, October 1st with 50,000 people. That was a well, I did walk over to it and it was amazing to see drones and helicopters and 50,000 people a couple blocks from my house. A very mm-hmm. peaceful um, event, but it was, uh, yeah, so so what are, how are the Iranians doing? Well, you know, um, Iranians in diaspora, including in Canada, GTA, Richmond Hill, uh, they're worried about their relatives, you know, their country of birth, and of course, whatever happens there impacts their lives here. But there's another thing to that as well. You know, uh, today, as we all know, the world has become so small, as they said, small village. Whatever happens in Iran impacts our lives in Canada as well. I mean, that brutal regime uh, killed, assassinated more than 300 Iranians in Europe in the past 43 years. Uh, so uh, they are not only uh, doing brutality in, 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 in Iran, also they're doing this in, in other countries as well. So uh, whatever, I mean, this regime also impacts our lives as Canadians in Canada as well. And of course, if you're from the Iranian heritage, you will be much more agitated about what's going on over there. And as you just said, you know, 50,000 people came out and demonstration was very peaceful as you mentioned. Um, so they're worried about uh, what's, what's happening over there. And by this demonstration and the many demonstrations which followed that, and it still follows in Richmond Hill, we had a few of them. The last one was 30,000 people attended. Uh, and also in North York, in downtown Toronto. Uh, the biggest of these demonstrations was in Berlin, with 70 or 80,000 people attended. And all these people came from all parts of Europe. They gathered in, in, uh, in Berlin. So by these demonstrations, in fact, people want to b- bring the Iran issue to the attention of the world community and also to politicians, decision makers, governments around the world as well. So that's the intention of that. And I think it has been quite successful uh, over the past three months. The world community uh, is much more uh, inclined in terms of their sympathy towards uh, the Iranian people. And, and for that, we are grateful, actually, for our fellow Canadians and the fellow residents of Richmond Hill who have been very patient in hosting those 50,000 people and the, in the next stage, uh, you know, 10,000 or 30,000 people 
coming to our cities. And we all realize that that may cause some inconveniences to uh, our fellow residents, but we are so grateful for their patience and their understanding. Good. So what is our federal government doing? Like, I'm trying to figure it out and I can't, I don't know. So I'm hoping <clears throat> you have some insights. Well, uh, Marsh, I think uh, as Canadians, I'm very proud and I think we all should be very proud that our governments, both under uh, Prime Minister Harper and also the current Prime Minister, uh, they have done uh, quite a lot in terms of uh, um, in terms of raising their voice against the violation of human rights in Iran. You know, when uh, some years ago, a Canadian-Iranian photojournalist by the name of uh, uh, Zahra Kazemi from Montreal. Uh, she was in Iran and she was just doing her journalistic work and they captured her and put him, detained her and they raped her and then killed her after a couple of days. So at that time, <clears throat> Prime Minister Harper uh, severed diplomatic relationship with Iran. So Canada was actually the first country in the world to do that. Uh, and uh, we are very grateful to uh, Prime Minister Harper for doing that. And under uh, this prime minister and this government, again, uh, you know, uh, our government stand against brutality of, of, of the Iranian regime. There was a, a rally in, in Ottawa a few weeks ago, I think a month or so ago, and Prime Minister Trudeau uh, and his wife, uh, they both rallied with the, uh, with the, with the Iranians uh, of Ottawa. And even he, in his remarks, he mentioned that uh, uh, you know, in the future, the Iranian regime will change and, and the Iranians will uh, will experience freedom and democracy. So apart from that, uh, our government um, um, sanctioned 10,000 uh, top officials of the uh, Iranian Revolution Guard. Uh, this is the Revolution Guard, which interferes in the affairs of uh, foreign countries as well, such as Iraq, Syria, uh, Israel, Yemen, and, and some other support terrorist organizations around the world as well. And of course, in Iran, they just kill people, they arrest people. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know what to call them, but anyway, that's what they are. So yeah, the, our government um, uh, sanctions them. And also recently, again, the government of Canada announced that uh, all high-ranking officials of the Iranian government uh, they are barred from entering to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, the other measure which our government took was uh, they exercised the uh, Magnitsky law, which after Rwanda and and, the, and uh, I think Bosnia, Iran was the third country that uh, this law was going to be adapted or is already being adapted. Mm -hmm. So they have done quite quite a bit, but okay. still there are much more room for further actions against the Iranian regime, for sure. Right. So how do you see this revolution, the state of Iran? How do you see it progressing? Um, you know, how would you like to, what would you like to see? Well, uh, March, in the past, since 1905, Iran has gone through three revolutions. Mm -hmm. In 1905, uh, Iranians did the uh, constitutional revolution, uh, which reduced the power of the king's uh, and then in 1979, you know, the whole monarchy was abolished in, the, in that revolution. And then now in this revolution, I think the uh, the clergy, uh, the rule of clergy is going to be abolished. Uh, so in the future, I think the Iran is going to be run by the people of Iran based on the will of the people of Iran. 
Uh, my own feeling is that uh, this revolution, which started uh, two, three months ago, uh, is going to continue. People are not going to go back to the previous, you know, quiet, more or less quiet status. Um, and the regime is getting weaker and weaker. Uh, and I think the world community is also against the regime. So my guess is that um, uh, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe within several months, the regime collapses or people bring them down. Um, but the fact is that uh, this kind of regimes in the world, at least the history teaches us, uh, they couldn't last longer. I mean, mm -hmm. when you look at Hitler in Germany or uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq or Gaddafi in, in Libya or Milosevic in, in, in Balkans, uh, they couldn't, they didn't last forever, you know, they, they they have a certain life. And this regime lasted for 43 years in Iran. So I think they're getting towards the end of their life. Mm, okay. Do you think uh, there's an opportunity for women to really take a leadership role in Iran? Oh, absolutely. I I, I, I think, um, I mean, the Iranian women are very progressive. Today, we have uh, many Iranian women in diaspora, um, they are meeting with presidents, uh, they're meeting with vice presidents, they are very vocal, they are journalists, they are university professors, they are artists, uh, and, and you know, you know, every sector of the society in the Western world. Uh, we had the sort of Nobel Prize winner uh, in mathematics, uh, mm -hmm. a woman, uh, Maria Mizakani of Stanford University. So yes, there are. I mean, even today in Iran, the women's students in the universities, their numbers in certain in engineering, for example, in science fields is more than men, more than boys. Girls are more than boys. So the women, I mean, going back to the Iranian society before this revolution, uh, it was very advanced society. Uh, and this regime tried to put women in the corner, put them in their homes or, or you know, or, or bar them from so many activities in the society, but they weren't successful. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we see, this revolution started almost three months ago by women. Mm -hmm. uh, and the slogan was, you know, a woman, life, freedom. Yeah. So I think that will continue. And I look forward to seeing that the uh, next uh, head of state and head of government in Iran will be a woman. And that woman will be from minorities. And that woman will be a Baha'i woman. Okay. <laughs> I like, like that prediction. Okay. <laughs> So mm -hmm. I do like to end the podcast with your comments to the one question, name one thing you really like about this community. Uh, you mean the Iranian community? No, I mean Richmond Hill. Oh, one Richmond thing you Hill. like about Richmond Hill. Okay. Of course, of course. There are so many things I, I, I like. Uh, I, 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 I can say that I love this this community. Uh, I, I had the, I had the honor. I had the honor of serving this community and representing this community for eleven years at the Ontario Parliament. Mm -hmm. um, it is really a wonderful community. We call this community as our home for the past. Now, 32 years uh, mm -hmm. at the time when we came to Richmond Hill, population was about 50, 60,000. Now we are over 200,000. We are, we are a beautiful community. So I'm so happy, so glad that my wife, myself, and my daughter, my two granddaughters, yeah. uh, we are residents of this beautiful city, beautiful community. Very good. Okay. Thank you so much, Reza, for taking this time explaining things to us. Um, anything else that you wanted to add? Any other comments about what's happening? 
Well, uh, in closing, um, March, I just want to uh, thank my fellow residents of Richmond Hill for for their patience uh, in terms of uh, hosting all these, uh, you know, uh, these masses of uh, people in in, uh, in 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 our city, and also showing their, uh, uh, you know, uh, their assistance, their feelings towards people of Iran, and and let us hope that. Uh, you know, in the future, Iran will be freed. And, and my wish was that Richmond will become the sister city with my hometown in Iran. And as you know, one of the streets in Richmond Hill yes. uh, was named Urmia. That is the ancient yes. city where I was born in western part of Iran. And it is my wish that one day, uh, you know, our mayor will visit that town and the mayor of uh, Urmia will visit our our city of Richmond Hill. So oh. let us hope for that. Okay, I like that. Okay, thank you again, Reza, and um, I hope to see you around, maybe even at a rally. Hope you look forward for that. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marj, M-A-R-J, at marjandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.